Hello, hello, and welcome to the Book Buzz Show. I'm your host, Cheryl Brooks. And if you're new here, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. Uh, if you enjoy the upcoming show, please like, follow, subscribe, and share the broadcast so others can also enjoy it. Uh, for those of you who are new here to the Book Buzz Show, we do discuss the book and the characters, um, and we normally give like minor spoilers. Um, however, we do not give major spoilers, so you won't <clears throat> we won't say anything like the butler did it or anything like that. <laughs> um, but again, there will be minor spoilers, so we do talk about the book. Um, in addition to this being a live broadcast, the Book Buzz Show is also now a podcast, so you can check us out at the Book Buzz Show with Cheryl wherever you get your podcast, and then make sure to follow there as well so you can listen when you're out and about. The book that we are uh, discussing tonight is Ignite by Joan Vassar, and let me show you a cover of the book. Here's the cover, beautiful cover, by the way, I love it. Um, just so you'll know when you go and you get the book, what the book looks like. And without further ado, I'll bring on my guest for tonight, Joan Vassar, and my co-host for tonight, Katina Brown. Let me welcome them. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome. Hello. My Hi. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get right into it. Put this on the screen. Um, and then it looks like we have a few people in the audience. Uh, those who are showing as Facebook users, if you go to the description at the top or underneath the, I should say, uh, you can give, click the link and give StreamYard permission to show your face. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to show Facebook users. Um, we have someone saying hello, have another saying hello, and hello, welcome, welcome. All right, and so we'll get right into it. Uh, Joan, for those who are new to you, um, and again, we're also a podcast in, in addition to a live stream, so uh, for those who just happen to listen and may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little about yourself and the type of books you write and when you started your professional writing journey? So uh, I'm Joan Vassar. And I started my professional uh, writing journey really in 2000. And then I moved forward with, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, but right around 2014, after years of just going back and forth, I buckled down and decided to uh, write the Black series. And I consider myself um, a romance writer, but fell into the historical fiction. And mm -hmm. it's where I've been hanging out. Yes, <laughs> you <the> have. <laughs> <laughs> to the delight of your readers. <laughs> right, right. I fell into the historical uh, fiction genre. Um, and it, it, you know, um, history uh, for Black people is just uh, um, is so rich and there's just 
so many things that you can write about putting the characters in so many different um, positions and, and having them deal with things. Um, I, you know, just stuck, hung out in the, um, in the historical fiction. Um, mm -hmm. And I do write a little bit of um, adventure. So I think if you, if I had to say, I write um, romance mixed with adventure and um, history. Okay. And uh, we have a few more people in the audience saying hello. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Jenny. Ola, thank you for joining us. Uh, we have another Facebook user. Um, again, if you want your name to show, just go to the description and click on the link to send your permission. Uh, we have someone saying, um, Joan, you're an amazing historical fiction author. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. I agree. I appreciate and agree. That. <laughs> All right, Joan, what was the first? I, I have started asking authors this. What was the first romance book you read that had an impact on you that made you fall in love with romance? If you could. So I can answer that question twofold. The first mm -hmm. novel that I've ever read. I was 11 and I read, um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margot. Okay. Um, and so the first romance uh, novel that I read was Forever by Judy Bloom. Wow. Okay. Okay. Nice. And you know, I, I, I've heard a lot about Judy Bloom books, but I have, I don't think I ever read, read one. I'm gonna have to check them out because um, I've heard others say that too. That they, because um, I started out actually with um, the one I, that stands out to me, because I used to read my mother's books, <laughs> and oh. so I read, I read um, the one that stands out is uh, Danielle Steele's. Um, what was the name of the book? It, it, it uh, Jules. Ah. And it was a generate generations, uh, a family generations um, in that one family, and they were in the jewel bit jewelry business. But that one always stands out to me. I, and that I think that's when I first fell in love with romance. With romance. Uh, mm -hmm. okay. What about you, Tina? I'm not even sure if this is romance. Um, it was uh, Sister Soldier. Uh, Coldest Winter? Coldest Winter. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I definitely was. I, I remember that book. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on. So I know. There's a lot going on in that book. Romance or no? <laughs> Definitely something that got me interested going in that direction. Uh, we have L.B. Whitehead saying that Joan was the first historical fiction author that she ever read. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. It's 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 not. It wasn't a lot of black authors that I that I was aware of. Anyway, um, right. the first one that I that I read was Beverly Jenkins and fell in love with her writing. Um, there are a lot more now than it was right. when it started. Yeah. Well, she definitely paved the way because when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of black um, um, writers that were put out in the forefront, I should say. Right. And definitely not for romance. If you wanted to read romance, it would not be a black book. So you are absolutely right about Beverly Jean. Mm -hmm. yeah. She had your um, Fabio, I think. His hair blowing in the wind. Right, right. <laughs> the, the old Harlequin uh, romance. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
Lisa <laughs> said Judy Bone was a tween books to read in the early 80s. Okay. Yep. Yep. And uh, someone is saying, yep, Beverly Jenkins for her. And, uh, oh, they don't know where to go for the description. It should be right if you're looking at, actually, let me go up and look for it right here so I can see how it is. Okay, if you're looking at the screen, um, you can go above the screen that, that we're showing, where you're sh we're showing, and it'll be underneath Stay in Touch with Joan, where I have her, her contact information. Right underneath that, it says, before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name. Is right underneath Stay in Touch with Joan, and her information is right underneath that. All right, um, Joan, do you have any writing quirks? I don't think I ever asked you this. You like, you know, like routine things or favorite items that you have to have when you're writing? I write in a t-shirt and underwear. That's it. <laughs> so that's I your mean, that's your favorite that's thing. That's my quirk. I'm never dressed. <laughs> I'm never dressed. Yeah. I, and my daughter, especially during the pandemic, my daughter said, Are you are you ever gonna put pants on again? Probably not. <laughs> I feel put upon to have to put them on to go to the store. So yeah. <laughs> hey, wherever wherever you you know, be more Keep comfortable. It. <laughs> right. Uh, Ola is saying Beverly Jenkins was her first as well. That is funny. <laughs> um, now what? Um, for those who haven't read the book yet can you give an overview of what the book is actually about so you know in in writing the black series um the black series was focused on the 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 time um the conditions and all of those things this book was focused on them living in the conditions mm -hmm. i i didn't want to write a book about jim crow I just wanted to show you um, the people navigating Jim Crow. Um, be, because I think as a black artist or an, an artist of color, and certainly um, I see it a lot for myself, writing books that um, actually talk about the black condition, how we live, um, how we exist in a country that um, doesn't really respect us. You have those things that are, um, that you write about and they can be heavy. And what happens is you can almost get away from telling a good story to tell the story of, of us um, being, you know, broken um, uh, to, you know, to in this country. And so I, you know, want to tell a story about us living in it because black people um, we get up every day, we go to work, we raise children, um, we fall in love, um, we get promotions, we graduate college, all of these things that we do. Um, we learn to drive. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that we learn to do. And I'm attempting to show you people um, living in these conditions 
and still attempting to be human. Right. And you did that in the, in the Black series as well, showing us oh, yeah. another, another aspect of that. Um, now, what made you choose this particular era, though, like the 1920s to write about? Because you could have went to any any um, any era, but what, what made you choose 1920s? So I chose the 1920s because it is the time um, when we're dealing with Jim Crow. We're dealing with um, Black people not really owning the land that they're tilling. And so there is still this form of slavery going on because you're a tenant farmer and you are breaking your neck to, to harvest and to feed your family. And the majority of the profit is going to the landowner, which is not you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm attempting to tell you a story of a family who actually owned the land and then almost lost it. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I picked the era because um, I, I think it's important to try to show Black people in uh, every era and also to give the readers an opportunity to step away from the Black series. Because <laughs> most readers, when I write a book, that they always say, so is this another book in the Black series? No. <laughs> So you had to you had to move it uh, far away from the 1800s to get away from yeah I can see that and I can um, see that. yeah and what I what I like too is because you could have went the usually when we read a book about in the 20s it's like the roaring 20s when we see stuff mm -hmm. like so right. it was good to see um, another aspect of how black life was in that time especially in rural um, right. America. Yeah. Um, what um, were there any challenges when you were writing the book? And I know you're well versed now in research and all of that, but did you face any challenges with with this particular story? Um, I, I I normally uh, face challenges with the work because when I'm writing, um, it the book the work for me is abstract. I don't see it like you see it. I see it in pieces. When you see it, it's together. And so for me, I'm always concerned that I miss something. Um, so um, I didn't have any challenges per se in terms of the writing because before I sit down, I already have the story plotted out all the way to the end. Um, and I think that helps for the people who write books. I think that helps um, with writer's block because a lot of people think they have writer's block and really in telling the story you have to act actively be moving the characters along so that thing where you watch tv and the person's cursor is blinking and then all of a sudden they have this idea that carries them through writing a book is is work and so you always have to be actively thinking about what the characters are going to be doing, if it's going to mm -hmm. be raining, if it's going to be snowing, if it's going to be hot, dark, um, are they going to make love? So uh, whatever, uh, so in my, in my writing, I'm actively um, thinking about what they're going to be doing. Um, is it nighttime? Is it daytime? I'm actively thinking. And that is, uh, that for me has been the difference between, um, you know, writing and feeling like I have no ideas. 
I can, and it, which it shows the time that you take. And I think I told you this before in your writing. It shows with throughout your writing the time that you take and the details. I love the the little details um, that are throughout the book. This book, as well as other books that I've read of yours, and um, let's see. Uh, Chanel is saying, no, we we love Joni in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, you have an amazing editor that makes sure you don't miss it. Yeah, that's true. Amazing editor that makes sure you don't miss it. Um, yes. Um, uh, Tina Smith is my editor, and she really is fabulous. She has um, attention to detail and... Um, she also, um, although I don't require it, she always goes behind me to make sure that I'm getting my year right and different things. And I, I appreciate that about her. Okay. Uh, so she and I have been uh, a good, um, which, but I've, I've had other good um, editors as well. She and I just really fit uh, mm -hmm. together um, and we do really well. I do a lot of research. I do a lot of reading. Um, and mostly articles about the time and, and different things. Um, and so, for instance, um, the scene where Josie needs Kotex, I bet mm -hmm. you readers thought, I bet you readers thought, uh, you know, there were no Kotex back then, but yes, there yeah. were. And that's actually what they were called, Kotex. Um. And that's and that's what I'm saying. A little small, the little details um, that you make sure you implement. And even I think I, when when I read um, what was that? It was one of the black books. I can't remember. But mm -hmm. I think I told you then that the little details that you put in, I felt like when they went to the, another state, um, I felt like the state was part was another character basically because you did such a great job of describing everything um wow. and and i felt that in this book as well so a uh, great job with that and Thank then you. um lisa is saying i know let's say i love how joan gives us the truth of fiction by implementing truth events in the time period she's writing about yes most definitely mm -hmm. um same thing when she was writing about Lincoln. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Love that as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Joan always says the mundane details matter. They do. And it, the and really, you know, when you're writing a high point in the book or a conflict or an intimate moment, the it some your your storyline culminates to that. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. But it's being able to put the characters in day-to-day -day stuff. It's right. the, the repetitious stuff that you, because these are the things that form an actual life for the character that you as the reader can attach to. And so if you don't get that Josie is uh, making eggs or frying right. chicken or washing clothes, these are the things that attach you to this is the life. Right. And I got that while I was reading it. Um, and I think I mentioned it to Tina before we came on mm -hmm. that um, I could visualize it. I felt I could I felt I could feel or I could see um, 
her life on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, and um, so you did a, a great job with that. Um, now, what do you want the reader to take away from the story in itself? So the story is about, um, you know, some people think it's just about revenge. It's just about um, being angry during Jim Crow. But what it's really about is you're living in conditions that are not meant for you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And you are trying to figure out how to be in love, how to make money how to maintain the basics in life while all of this other is going on. And so um, if you take anything away from any of my books is that black people are more than the conditions that they live in. Mm-hmm. And we so, make a way out of no way, basically for, for generations. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, we watched the whole a thing with George Floyd, but yet we were still working, dealing with the pandemic, trying to look after our elderly, our children, remembering to register the car, remembering to get an oil change. We're living life in the middle of all of this. And so when I write books, I attempt to come across um, that we are all of those things that the conditions say we're not right so question um with all of that how does that relate back to the title of the book it it relates back to the title because as you're going along in the story you could see truck you could see his fuse you could see it being ignited you could see where he's saying you know what it's never going to be the way I need it to be. And if there's something I need, I'm going to have to take it. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, most definitely. And um, now, how would you describe the personalities of the main characters um, as far as who they are when we first meet them? How would you like for someone who is thinking about getting the book, how would you describe Truck, Josephine, Corn when we first meet them, what what they're about? Um, I think when you meet Corn, um, you can tell that he's looking for an easy life. And sometimes trying to find an easy life makes life hard. Right. Um, and Truck is trying to maintain life. Right. And sometimes when we're just trying to maintain, we forget to live. Mm. Yeah. And Josie um, lived a life of abuse. And sometimes when we deal, when we're trying to deal with abusers, um, we also become abusers because Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out how to navigate not being abused. Mm -hmm. And so I think these three characters had a background and with the conditions, they all ended up in the same space. Right. And um, with Josie in particular, uh, everything that she had been through, uh, it, hard, it made her harder. It, and it, uh, because that was what needed to be done in order for her Absolutely. to survive. 
Absolutely. in that time. Absolutely. Um, so I did get that. Um, now, did you have anyone particular in mind when you were coming up with the with how the characters looked in your mind, like any inspiration um, as far as like celebrities or anything? Um, I usually see the characters in shadows. I don't fully see them. There's only two characters that I've ever actually looked them in the face and they've looked me in the face and it's been Black and Jeremiah. The rest okay. of the characters have all been shadowy to me. Okay. Hmm. I like that. Okay. Um, so we can come up with basically our own image when we Absolutely. read as far yeah. as right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I see your questions, everyone. Um, I'm holding off because some of them uh, are about specifics in the book and we're going to get to that so that's why i haven't uh, put that on the screen yet okay now let's get into the book a little um and talk about the dynamic between truck josephine and corn um with 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 truck um when he was feeling a certain way every time corn came around it, i understood it it was natural um, but I also felt like he knew what he was getting when he decided to be with Josephine. He knew that she had a past with his best friend, basically. Um, what did you think, Tina, as far as that, as far as the dynamic and how he um, would react every time Corn came around in the beginning um, around Josephine? It it kind of felt like like the conversation that never happened that between those two um, in regard to, to Josie that I guess she explained herself to, to truck, but those two, I guess they just never fully said the words. I think you he know, did. Never, you're right. They never did have a real conversation. They never had a real, real, real conversation. I think he said something later in the book about um, I can't let her go or something like that. But um for because corn always came around like and that's kind of pouty like he, he was like the third wheel type love of thing look like a love you know? <laughs> and he was kind of and he would go away feeling hurt and thinking you know he was missing out and maybe he was like he he went to town and he heard marcus garvey and he was trying to possibly make a change mm -hmm. but by then he had already soiled the relationship with Josie and recognized that the bigger relationship he really wanted, I believe, was trucks. And, I, and, that, and that came through too. Now, was that intentional, Joan, as far as the friendship? Because you are good with, with brotherhoods. Um, mm -hmm. uh, was was that intentional to, to show that? And I think truck was the one who, or was it corn? One of them said, we're not going. You're not going to let a woman come between us, right? Um, right, right. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, if we go back to book references, when when I get you, when he goes to the juke joint with Hollis mm -hmm. that first day, they're both seeing Josie for the first time. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking to get up and go talk to Josie, but Corn right. spoke to her first. Right. So they were both interested. He didn't. He didn't realize that Corn was gonna uh, see her. So it wasn't like 
Corn was already seeing her. They were both interested the same day, except he was talking to Hollis and didn't want to be rude. Mm -hmm. So the reason why the talk never happened, um, so when we go back and Corn says to him, you know, you're not going to let a woman come between us. So Truck's response was, are you going to let a woman come mm -hmm. between Mm. Right. Because here's the deal. Whatever I need to know about Josie, I won't get it from you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it from her. Because he's made the decision to be with her. So what he's not going to do is have a bunch of conversation about her behind her back with the man she used to be with. Right. And so that's why they never had the discussion. If you go back early in the book, he tells we're not going to discuss her. So if you yeah. miss that, then you're yeah. waiting for a conversation that's not going to happen. And I think just because, too, because he was feeling um, some insecurity, um, I think that's well, another reason why he wouldn't want that conversation to basically happen. Well, he felt some jealousy, mm -hmm. not insecurity. Okay. The insecurity doesn't happen to, until toward the end of the book. In the beginning of the book, he doesn't have that conversation because in his mind, Corn uses everybody around him. Mm -hmm. Right. And he doesn't want to be put in the position to be used or to get the girl used because mm -hmm. of it. Right. And so his his frustration is that Corn and, and maybe some jealousy, but not insecurity. Corn had nothing going for him. True, and um, mm -hmm. and we do see that the dynamic between them before Corn uh, went um, out of town and before he um, experienced Marcus Garvey, that Truck was always the one basically picking up his mess, so not the mess, mm -hmm. um, and that's why um, he felt so comfortable leaving Josie. <laughs> there because he knew truck would take care of her well and the other pieces he had no real way to take her no his family didn't even his family didn't even want him there That's true. true so not only did you dump him on truck but then you didn't even come back to see if truck found her what if truck would have just gone to bed true true and I thought that too when they were talking and he said, I knew you would go, you wouldn't leave a something light on or something. He said, um, right. But yeah, he was definitely taking all of that um, for granted because it was no way to know for, for real if he would do that. Right. Um, and in cleaning up this mess, you've now drugged my aunt and uncle into it. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I could see how it would be. Um, Cause he probably already already had um, some feelings that he never really spoke on, probably with with Corn. So I could see right. how a lot of that, a lot of the aggression and stuff that he was feeling towards him was coming to the forefront. She just made it um, that more, much more <laughs> evident because of the situation. Mm -hmm. Well, and she made it that much more because he didn't want to be involved because he didn't want her hurt. And then she ends up hurt anyway. Right. What helped is that whatever she was hurt was not what he thought it was. And again, she owned up to it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, another conversation I kind of wanted them to hash out. Um, Corn was still in a certain way about um, when he brought the idea of the bank to truck, he wasn't interested. But when the when the brothers did, he was he was for it. Now it was other things behind that. I think it um, truck had just got to a point where he was, yeah, know, he wanted to where he was in the position where he wanted to do something to save the land. But um, in corn, I believe he came over and he was going to. He, I think he started to say something, but they never had that actual conversation about, um, you know, why why did you go with them when you know when I first asked you, you didn't you didn't want to do it. Right, because Corn attempted to have that conversation. Right, but the real truth is he didn't trust Corn. Corn half-assed everything, mm-hmm. so it was, he he couldn't plan a bank robbery with with the Corn he knew. Right, right. And I like too how um, just hearing, and I like that you brought Marcus Garvey into the story as well. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got Nat Turner in the other series, and, uh, <laughs> Marcus Garvey. But um, and I liked how his thinking kind of changed after he heard him speak, and how he wanted to uh, live a different life. Because uh, for you to want to leave America and go to Africa, that's yeah, big. <laughs> a yeah. place you've never been. Yeah, right. Well, the theory was he said that you you're with all all black all people that look like me, right? So he just wanted to be free, I guess, and not have to deal with the the people that in the town, and you know. So when you go to Africa, you're going to deal with with your own new set of problems, right? What he was saying is that what he didn't want was to till land all day and and come up with nothing at the end of the day. He right. wanted to try something new. He didn't want to just accept this. And so the purpose of corn looking over the ocean at a different existence is because it's subliminally supposed to make you understand that there's more to the black experience than what you see here. Mm. And it has always been that way. Mm. Yeah, I can I, I can see that. And then um what I thought it was interesting too is in the beginning, how there were a lot of assumptions made. One was with truck, with truck, they um, a lot of people assumed that he was weak or green. They were saying, right, um, Titus and Hollis, um, but even um, some to some extent, corn too. But um, even his uncle. Thought he was being led around by right. <laughs> uh, by corn and Josephine. He didn't think right. that truck had yeah. him, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, that was the other reason why truck had to make the de- the decisions, and and the reason that he brought corn in. Corn wasn't mature enough to do it, and the brothers were just this side of criminals that they could get it done. Him mm-hmm. and corn really were not. And he understood that. That was the side of growth for him. And so what they needed was to deal with people who were not green. And I like, too, that um, because at first, in the beginning, you didn't know whether or not Hollis and Titus were on the up and up. At least I didn't. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah, you didn't. (laughs) So um, I like that 
they ended up in the end being trustworthy and and they all were actually you know you know friends you know and i like it and also that truck became the leader wasn't that something? Yeah, the, the one that they thought didn't have it in them. That was right. Me, right? <laughs> they all started depending on, and he started making mm-hmm. the decisions. Yeah, right. Even when he, even in approach to, even in the relationship with his uncle, you know, yeah. he had to set him straight yeah. almost. So but, look what, but yeah. look what took, but look what it took for that though. Uh, right. Moment. You know, that's always the case. Mm-hmm. Like, not about to be treating her any kind of way, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I like that too. But um, there was also like uh, um, with Jos with Josie, uh, he thought that she was something that she wasn't as well uh, when she when they first um, came together, where he thought she was much more innocent than what she was. right, mm-hmm. right. And her uncle, his uncle, actually saw it when he did. <laughs> I don't know if his uncle actually saw it in her or if he just was. Well, the uncle just assessed the situation. She was with corn, so she Uh, can't be no good. Right, right. And the uncle never liked corn, even from a kid. Yeah. And isn't that something that corn ended up being a true friend to Truck? And I think Truck always knew that, probably. And he ended up helping them in the end. Right. Right. (laughs) So there is that right absolutely <laughs> uh we have some questions out here in the audience let me see um lot of questions Comments. uh chanel is saying she loved the scene where josie popped the driver and truck was like ma'am i can't leave you alone for a second <laughs> um, <laughs> josie was no josie was no joke she was no joke yes uh <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what scene um, you're talking about on that one. Um, someone has a question. Chanel is asking, um, did Oscar's brother suffer from mental illness? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Because definitely none, of what, none of what happened in that scene was rational. But the, the truth of the matter is indicative of the life she led. Like, I'm this close and yet I've gotten nowhere. So I'm, mm-hmm. my life is still not stable. And the one person who could have helped me get to a stable place didn't listen to me. He believed that he had the situation under control. And her being an outsider looking in, she could see the brother unraveling. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't take it serious um, as far as he just let it like, oh, my brother, I know my brother can be a handful or something. Right. <laughs> right. But again, this is 1925. And what you may diagnose with schizophrenia today mm-hmm. or bipolar disorder today or depression today, mm-hmm. um, it, it these things still existed. They're just, they're just labeled now. Right. And so... I always attempt to put some form of uh, mental illness in the books because I myself suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that because we label it today that we understand that it always exists. Right. Most definitely. Um, and uh, we have a, a way out of having your land devalued and basically stolen from you. True. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if we were talking, I guess that's when we were talking about corn and the way he felt about absolutely, absolutely. And your descendants are still graduating college, <laughs> right? After everything, you're right because um, from slavery to it's just the things the black people, the trauma that we've um, mm-hmm. still experiencing. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Chanel is saying that you always getting us hooked into these love triangles. <laughs> <laughs> right in the black series, it was it was it was two women of in the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it sure was. So. You're right about yeah. that, Chanel. The love triangles. We're here um, for it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Corn said all truck needed to hear when he left that woman in the barn. Yeah, true. Nearly dead. True. Well, and that's the thing. So it's not just the insecurity. You dumped her. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do now? Come back and try to get her? Right. So there's there's plenty of things, but I think they found the common ground. Because even as you get to the end of the book, I know some readers think he attempted to coach Josie to go with him. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, he asked Truck first. He did. Oh, yeah, because he, cause he Truck asked did. Truck first. Yeah. Yeah. And so he wasn't asking her behind Truck's back. Mm-hmm. Truck deliberately left so he could ask her. Right, right. And I, I love that they still um, basically kept, kept the friendship, even though it was strained. Um, the, the friendship was strained, but they loved her and each other. When they love each other, right? And she actually said that we both love him too much. Uh, right. That, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, let's see. Someone is saying um, he made it clear that he was keeping her. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, he told basically made it clear to his uncle too. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. We both can go. <laughs> um, let's see. And when he realized she wasn't pregnant with his child, I'm not sure. Corn child. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. When she asked for the cotex, th- this was what made this. I was forgot this about that. Yeah. Relax. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That person is actually right. That he's actually thinking about whether he's going to end up raising corn child because he actually wants this girl. Mm-hmm. Right. And someone is saying it's kind of like Tracy and Earl almost. Right. <laughs> Another, yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> I forgot about them too. Uh, even though Earl was gone, most of the uh, Earl was already dead. He was another character in the book. Yeah, he, he was still was a, he was still very much a character in the book. Yeah. Uh, Corey didn't feel like he was good enough for Josie, but could pretend he was. Well, Corn didn't feel like he was good enough for Corn, and a man can't offer you what he can't offer himself. Hmm. True. True. And I think he even acknowledges that um, that truck had more to offer. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, said not even his family wanted him around. <laughs> right. But you know that's sad though. I, I felt sad. sorry for him because um, he wasn't a bad, you know, a bad guy. I, I didn't want, you know, I wanted to, um, and I think me and Tina talked about this too. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted him to have his. What you say? Yeah. Happy ending. <laughs> But sometimes the happy ending has nothing to do with another person. Mm. Yeah, okay. 
Because he was getting what he wanted. Um, right. The right. Okay. Um, she said, Chanel is saying she loved that Truck was innocent between him and uh, Josie. Right. <laughs> right. Because, because in the end, you found out that Corn and Josie were the same. Same. Mm -hmm. You're right. And then given the right conditions, they were both able to make change. Mm -hmm. They right. just weren't able to do it for each other because together they had nothing. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Uh, Chanel said truck was a G. He was dropping bodies. In front. <laughs> <laughs> he sure was. <laughs> Like if he, he, he say he say okay he got to go he got to Ooh, go, he got to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're saying uh, Hollis and Titus were also gangster yes mm -hmm. even though it seemed like Truck ended up being more gangster than them right absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right uh, you're right Lisa I said that too they thought Truck was green um, he showed them. Um, and then uh, Andrea is saying that Truck was a thinking man. Right. Right. And I attempt to, I, I attempt to give a hero that I would like. Um, and, and he was that. He mm -hmm. had a, a, enough innocence about him to understand that he needed to make change. And even when he made the change, there was still some level of innocence about him. Mm -hmm. Josie was, was more gangster than Truck. Yeah, but, yeah, and I think she and I think she yeah. held it back a little bit because when she when she did when she when she got with Wallace because he was like, "Give me some go, let me go get some rope." I guess she thought to herself, "Is he crazy?" And then uh, <laughs> because you know what, I was thinking, said, "Let me take care." Of Let me take care of this. Right. I mean, we we what we gonna do? Tie him up and ask him nicely? Right. He's, yeah. he's here. Right. He's here because he's already against us. Right. right. Yep. I was thinking the longest thing. Said, right not right your here. uncle. I guess she's saying no. Uh, <laughs> he got to go. But uh, <laughs> Chanel said when his back was against the wall, the integrity and the fight came out. Right. Because you're right. Because even when he was killing everybody or doing what he had to do, he still had integrity because um, mm -hmm. he still was the same person underneath, basically. And and um, especially like with his, um, his, his aunt and his uncle, he couldn't stand the fact that he was bringing trouble to their door. Right. right. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the uncle brought the trouble to the door. True. True. Yeah. And he told him that too. Right. <laughs> I'm glad when he put him in his place because mm -hmm. something was something else. Yeah. Uh, and somebody is asking, was Cleveland Tobias Tobias's biological father? Hmm. Yes. Yes, he was both their fathers, and the issue was that he said it. You you you're a drunken skirt chaser. Your mind is not on anything serious. So I would not be leaving my life, my life's work with you. But he suspected this, and the father saying it uh, triggered him. Hmm. Um. Let's see. Corn admitted to Truck that he had nothing to offer Josie after she was attacked. Um, yeah, he did admit that. You're right. Mm -hmm. He did. And then Lisa is asking, did Corn really love Josie? Or was she a way to earn coin? I think he loved her. 
I, I, I would say that he did because he, he offered to, to do the bank robbery to keep her interest. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas Chuck didn't have to do it. She was already interested. And it just worked out better for her that he was doing it because then she could be part of it with a with a man who could actually tend her and make sure that she's not hurt. Um, Lisa said the way uh, Corn beat the life out of the butcher was gruesome, but she applauded it. <laughs> That's why she's in jail now on Facebook. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Oh man, I'm with you. I'm with you, Lisa, because I was like, Agree, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, because uh, he was something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> yes, just like Truck and his dealings with the banker called, yes. um, and the way he kept robbing him and ripping him off, and then, um, thinking that he, you know, he didn't have a cho another choice but to accept it, and then. And then going, you know, going behind his back and trying to get the land through the uncle. Um, he, he, yeah, he needed, he needed his uh, come, come up as too. Right. He got it. <laughs> That's right. He definitely got it. Okay. Now, another thing that we do um, on the broadcast is we say our, what our favorite scene was in the book. Okay. And so with the favorite scene for me, um, when uh and we just talked about this a little bit when truck left to run errands josie thought giving her the opportunity to leave with corn mm -hmm. and not really knowing what to expect when he came back that's right and when he came back and saw josie and there was his aunt just normal and he was so overwhelmed and i i love that scene right and she was like i love you i could never leave you so he she knew that he was surprised um to see her still there. Right. And 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 why would I walk off with a person who um already dumped me off? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. He's already, I've been hurt and he didn't try to see about me. He just threw yeah. me somewhere. I why would I follow that? And right. she when she was there, the days in the beginning days, she was wondering. Like, right, he never he, even came right. back to see about it. Right, because right. she kept asking about him, and right. I think that was another thing that that uh, triggered um, the mm -hmm. uh, jealousy. But um, and he, it took forever for him to even come and and see if she was even alive. So right, right, right. It's crazy. And uh, Lisa is saying you ain't have to bring up her prison stint, John. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. <laughs> and Chanel say she stayed locked up. <laughs> and um Lisa gonna be at Rikers Island here. <laughs> she definitely stay locked up, yes. But um okay, Tina, what was your favorite scene in the book? Um one of my favorite I mean we touched on so many already. Yeah. Um, but one of them I don't think was mentioned was um after all the the arguments and, and the disagreements, his um, uncle Alvin came and sat in the, um, in his uh, young the barn. The barn with him. And they just, they didn't say anything. And mm -hmm. he was working and he just sat there and they were just in complete like 
silence, but they were in, com in complete harmony. Yeah, right. right. Their relationship right. it showed that their relationship was gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Despite everything that had all the arguments and all uncles outbursts and and Aunt Bertha trying to get them together, it was right. <laughs> I felt so bad for Aunt Bertha. She was always in the middle, wasn't she? She was. <laughs> But I thought that was a good moment. That was yes, good. I like that too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing we always um oh before we go to that, what was your favorite scene to write, Joan, in the book? Uh the 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 scenes in Manhattan. Okay, you know, in Harlem, where he's right. attempting to make a living and mm -hmm. he's finding out that while New York is not calling it Jim Crow, it's no different right. than the South. Right. And so what, what he experienced was a kind of, no matter where you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, that was a, a rude awakening. And probably a rude awakening for a lot of folks back then. Absolutely. Um, thinking that the North was the promised promise land. Right. They should have went to Canada with Black. <laughs> well, man, and we then, all we and and everything, we still need us a, a, a right. Black in his crew. And technically, Black only just died four years before this because he dies in 1921. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Okay. Um, okay, so we're moving on to the heartfelt and touching scene. Um, for me, it was when Truck thought his aunt and his uncle were in danger after him and, his, him and Josie were awakened by gunshots. Right. Mm -hmm. That yeah, that definitely was heartfelt for me. Um, I could feel his anxiety about it and his fear. So you right. did a good job, a good job with that, John. Um, I appreciate. And, and what was it for you, Tina? I think it was um, when Josie first came to live with him, and he was trying to deal with his feelings for her. Um, and how he tried, he was, he was tentative in like being with her, being alone with her, mm -hmm. trying to show her that he just wanted her and not just her body because she was even trying to barter at some right, point, right, right. you know, he, <laughs> his payment. And he was like, no, I'm good. I mm -hmm. well, he wasn't good, but <laughs> he, right. was, he was restraining himself. So that he could, you know, a delayed, a delayed satisfaction. Yeah, right, right. And she started to see. Wait a minute, maybe I got I got a little more worth here than Absolutely. you know. Then that that was the beginnings. He was, I think, he was instrumental in her journey. Mm -hmm. you know? Most yeah. definitely, and he kept and he told her, "I don't want payment from you." Um, yeah. That's and, that, and that evolved into the other, like they were they were together, I guess, when they started having their routine, like Joan was saying, with the normalcy. Mm -hmm. Like when he came in the house, yeah. he had to, there was like clothes and the, the, the pump, and he had to put, you know, there was a routine, and she was cooking, and they were trying to, she was getting into a rhythm, and he was getting into a rhythm, and and they were trying to find some normalcy. Right. You know? right. And Chanel is agreeing with you. She's saying truck uh, delaying being with her helped Josie see her own value. Mm -hmm. Not Most. only that, it, 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 and to piggyback off what Chanel saying, it helped Josie see that she was worth something to him. Right. 
in a in a way that she hasn't experienced with any other um, guy, including corn corn because uh, it was all about them hustling basically right. um, when they were together. Um, I'm not sure what I can't. I must be. I can't remember any. Um, uh, Andrea is asking, "Why did you call that boy Crunchy?" <laughs> I remember that. What boy? Uh, I'm missing the, it. <laughs> uh, the little boy who said, "My grandmama wants you to come." She said she'll make you dinner. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, when you're young, you dusty. You've been right, right, all right, day. right, right. <laughs> oh man. And then um, I don't know if this is one of her favorite scenes, uh, but uh the fa Facebook user is saying Josie almost had to give it give it up, give up the kitty for a reel in the bank waiting on trash. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And then she was she was worried that about how he felt. Mm -hmm. And she and he was making it clear, you know, I was the one that was late. You know, I was the one. <laughs> it wasn't on you. It's on me. So when I you... originally wrote the scene, the banker had entered her. Oh, really? And Chuck walked in, but the narrator said he couldn't take it. He said he felt that Josie had been through enough. Yes. And he wanted to know what I consider changing that for him. And so... Um, he he said, "I'm truck. I I can't take it." I said, "Okay." So we changed it. Well, I'm glad because I agree with yeah. her. She had already been through so much yeah. since she was a little kid, and um, so I'm glad it, it ended before, right before that. Right. Um, and he said that the um, that the counting uh, two minutes, three minutes. He said he couldn't take it. So we we modified the scene so that he would feel comfortable reading it. Oh, good. Okay. And uh, what was what was a heartfelt, felt, or touching scene for you, John, in the book? Um, when uh, when they take truck to the guy John's house mm -hmm. to be cared for. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was that that was that was traumatic because I wasn't sure what was gonna you know when when the truck rolled over him. Oh my gosh! Right. No. Yeah. Um, now that ended up being one of my another one of my favorites when uh, not with my favorites one of my romantic scenes that I have written down is Josie when she finds out her reaction and her want to go to him right away. So that was basically a turning point where she where he should have known if he didn't already. Um, her true feelings for him, and right. I think Corn actually um, acknowledges it too. That he, because at first he didn't know if she really cared for Truck or if she was just being with him. But then I think it was that in that moment where he realized that she did have feelings for Truck. Right. Mm -hmm, when he saw that. Yeah, he definitely saw that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, a funny moment for me was. Uh, not really funny, but a lighter moment when Truck, when Josie really recognized, paid attention to John and how good looking he was. And, <laughs> and then Truck is in the bed looking and he say, uh, basically saying, okay, you looking mighty hard at and, uh, John. And then um, one of the brothers was in the doorway and he, saw, and he started laughing and told him all the women feel like that with, with John. So that was a, like a lighter little moment um, in the book. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. And um, one thing I had wanted to ask you, because I, I noticed that um, it rained a lot. So I was going to ask you, because when it when they always described it, the weather, it almost was like it mirrored um, the turbulent, the way that the, the lives of the people, the characters in the book. Was that intentional as far as that? Or is it just coincidence that I noticed about the rain? So it's the, it, it's the, the reason why it rains all the time um, is because they're farmers. Okay. okay. And and so I'm showing you all of the things that they got to depend on. But also um it's because they're they're actually going through a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And so um and so the weather kind of does represent how they're going. And also when you're writing, you tend to make everything sunny. True. True. And so it is okay for the weather to just be bad for a few weeks and months. And mm -hmm. that does happen. And so in this book, it just seemed more, you know, um, it just seemed more like it would fit. But as right. you notice, once they rob the bank, the weather starts changing. Right. Yeah. So, yes, um, Cheryl, you're right about that. Yeah, because I, 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 it just occurred to me as I was reading, and it just uh, to me it mirrored what they were, how they were feeling, um, the characters were feeling, and how they daily life. Um, Lisa's saying that the liquor drop off in Forsyth County had her hot, hot thumb. Yes, yes. Um, so I picked that county because if you're old enough, you remember when Oprah had come yes. to Georgia and had interviewed. Uh, of Forsyth County, and they were calling her nigger on her own damn show just about. So this county is the same in 1925, and it had carried through to the 80s, and it is still <laughs> a little rough around the edges. It is still oh, really? kind of a sundown town in, in, in this, even in 2023. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, so I picked uh, Forsyth County because of the Oprah reference and because it, all the way in 1980s, the, the county was still a problem. So you understand that it is definitely a problem during Jim Crow. Right. Yes. I remember that episode, and Chanel said she remembered it too. Yes. It too. So if you've not checked it out, you can Google, um, you can go out to YouTube and you can Google um, Forsyth County um, and Oprah Winfrey Show. And you will see them on there, basically, I mean, openly in the 1980s, calling black people niggers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lisa is saying that uh, she lives um, the county line of footsteps from it, and it still raises up. Wow. It's amazing, you know, mm. man. <laughs> When we we've come so far, but in, yet and still, we still have a long way to go. For sure, we have a long way to go. Um, and Chanel is saying those fools were really mad that they didn't get to ride truck enough. Right, right, right. Like they like like they were like they were <laughs> they were so offended. Like how dare they uh, fight back? Were <laughs> right, and I think that. I think that's important. I did see, 
I, I read the reviews and and um and I did see a review where someone said they didn't particularly care for the violence. This is 1920. We're looking at George Floyd being murdered on national TV. Mm -hmm. What violence are you talking about? The one where the people decided they weren't going to take that shit no more? Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't get that comment. I don't get that comment or review at all. Because, um, uh, like you said, you know, we're still dealing with the same stuff. Right. Now, so. Absolutely. So I don't get that at all. All right. Well, um, we're at our time and we haven't even scratched the surface of the book so i definitely recommend anyone who hasn't gotten the book yet to yes. go out and get it um you will enjoy it if you haven't read her black series make sure to go out and get that uh it is definitely it is excellent excellent um along with the rest of her books um I, we talked last time we talked it was about love in africa that's another good one for you to check out and uh unfortunately francine even though i had a problem with the main character <laughs> <laughs> and still do have a problem with troy um it was an excellent book uh so i i would highly recommend that as well <laughs> and uh somebody is uh, let's facebook you were saying i think in jim crow white folks were still so bitter over slavery seeing a black man own anything was an insult yeah even to this day you're right Bye. yeah yeah even to this day um i had just i have been reading i mean watching um the bass reeves series on paramount plus and um and seeing just with him that it was a front for any for a, a black person to call themselves being a deputy marshal uh so they don't want to see, you know, they don't want to see us doing anything. Um, they're saying it's a fabulous book and J.D. Jackson did oh, <laughs> a great job with the narration. Yes. You know, I'm going to have to check it out. I haven't, because uh, I, I read it, I didn't listen to it. And this um, book in particular was written around his talent. Um, and uh, he is so talented and it was uh, great to work with him. And um, and he brought the book alive, and there okay. there will be a book too, and that book will be called Sedition. And I, that's one of the things I was about to bring up to you, and someone in the audience also brought it up yeah. that you left the door open for another book. So that was what I was going to ask you. Okay. Yes, there will be another book. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy about that. And maybe Cora can get a love interest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that corn is gonna be in this in this. Oh, book. okay, okay. Yeah. Um now uh do you have anything else besides that coming up that you can share? So I've written a couple of novels and um and I'm in the throes of writing a novella and book two and I'm working on some things and trying to get unfortunately Francine finished up. Um so right now I'm finishing up Butch and Jewel's story. Um, and I have some surprises coming and, um, and so it'll be next year should be pretty interesting. All right. I can't wait. And, uh, Chanel is saying maybe corn can have some time to get us up together. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, man. And just, and just another tidbit, Marcus Garvey Jr. died 
uh, I want to say the end of 2021, and um, hmm. up in, and he was 90, and up until he died, he had been trying to fight um, his father going to federal jail for mail fraud, and he had been trying to get um, him posthumously uh, pardoned, and um, it, Obama would not pardon him. Oh, and really? So just you know, these are just tidbits of things that fall into your lap. I did not know that Marcus Garvey did federal time in Atlanta. I didn't either. So you you know, we're just we're just learning. Um, and um, and so the scene where Marcus Garvey, if we're looking for a favorite scene, the scene where he is walking being walked into federal prison, mm -hmm. if you Google that, you'll actually see the picture. I didn't even have to think about that. All I had to do was look at the clothes he wore in his carriage and get it on paper. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I didn't know that was a, okay. I'm going to have to check that out. Yes. Hmm. Very, very good. Um, Chanel is saying she loved learning history from these books. Most definitely. And uh, cause that's one of my favorite genres is the historical um, fiction. Yeah. Romance. So I, I, re, I look at a lot of documentaries too. So um, it's right up my alley. So I, I'm glad you, 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 uh, ventured into historical and i hope you 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 know keep writing it right because you do an excellent job excellent thank job. you so much you're welcome and thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate it and um you're going to come back when you when your next project comes out yes um and when my next project comes out i'm going to interview with you first i'll let you know i'll keep you in mind all right sounds good Okay, everybody, um, have a great evening. Thank you for coming out. Tina, thank you for assisting. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, and I'll see everybody next time. All righty. Good night, ladies. Good night. <laughs>